In the previous weeks, I talked to you about avoiding foolish questions, being content, abstaining from all appearances of evil, to be angry but don't sin when you are, be filled with the Spirit, about being reconciled, how to be at peace and to be thankful. And tonight, I want to talk to you about being transformed. And what I'll show you is that you cannot do any of those things without this transformation that arise by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and this was written by Paul, and what he says, he says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good his pleasing and his perfect will. So, so many people say, I wish I knew the will of God. Well, that's how you find it, by being transformed in your mind. Would you do this for me? Just take your finger and point to your head. Okay, leave it there and say this with me. It's my mind. Okay, thank you that you understand. It is your mind. So what enters your mind is up to you. If you're having negative thoughts or thoughts of... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, hurting yourself or depression or suicide. It's what you have allowed to be in your mind. Okay, so there's many gates that can enter our mind, but that mind that God has given to us is very, very powerful. And one of the tactics of the enemy is to get us to conform to the pattern of this world. And the definition for the world is that system that organizes itself apart from God. But he says, instead of doing that, be transformed by renewing your mind. So this isn't a one-time thing, it's a process. So our minds can begin to think the way God wanted us to think when he began. So we need a transformation. Say that with me. We need a transformation. We need a transformation. Let's try that again. We need a transformation. Say that with me. Very good. The injunction is obviously clear. A conforming has taken place, and we're not to be a part of that conformation. A transformation is necessary, and it should be happening in our lives ever since we're God's children, and all of this is accomplished by the renewal of the mind. Nothing happens that your mind is not aware of. Nothing happens that you do not first make the decision to allow it to happen in your mind. But this renewal, it's defined as the adjustment of the moral and spiritual vision, thinking to the mind of God. When will you and I, in our life, begin to think the way God wants us to think? You don't just receive him and then everything's taken care of. He gives us a free will, therefore he allows us to continue to make decisions. But we don't know the right decisions to make until we learn how to think like God wants us to think. Give him a hand of praise right there. So as a Christian, if you're not in God's word reading and studying, then the Holy Spirit will not have the effect upon your life that he should have. You see, actions follow thoughts. If you think right, you will act right. If you act right, you can be right. And God wants to develop within us a new way of thinking. You know, when somebody's not acting right, well, what's wrong with that person? They're not thinking right. So whatever information or data you store in your mind, 
That's what you call upon when you need to make a decision. And you're in church because you recognize and you realize, I think it's about time, especially as an adult, that I start thinking right. How many would agree with me? I need to start thinking right. So we learn in Philippians 4.8, the Bible says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, you think about, take an introspection and you think about the things that you've been thinking about or think about the things that take up a lot of time in your mind. How did they get in there? How is it that you keep feeding them? You can become negative about another person. Someone can hurt you, and you're in your mind, you're not saying anything to them, but you can hold a grudge. Well, again, it's your mind. God gave it to you. He doesn't force you to do anything, but he wants to help you to think better. I've often said this, and people have said, well, you're conceited. It's not conceit. I have told you when you get up, even though your hair is in 100 directions, look in the mirror, smile, and say, I like me. I like myself. And that's conceited. To who? If you don't like yourself, how can you like someone else? Some of you need to like yourself. Turn to the person next to you and say, I think he's talking about you right now. <laughs> you need to start liking yourself. You know, when you make statements like, oh, man, that's so stupid of me, or I'm so dumb, or I'll never this, or I'll never that. Again, you're talking to yourself. Now, whenever you do that, your mind will put into action what you keep repeating. So God tells us is, he says to us, do not be conformed. Let's understand what that means. To conform means to fashion or shape one thing like another. Christians are called to not conform any longer to the pattern of this world with what? With this behavior and its customs that are usually selfish and often corrupting. Many Christians wisely decide that much worldly behavior is off limits for them. Like when you've been with God a while, you begin to say, I'm not gonna do that any longer. I'm not going back there. So the word rendered conformed properly means this, to put on, like a jacket, put on the form, the fashion, or the appearance of another. It may refer to anything pertaining to the habit, the manner, the dress, the style of living of those who are not Christians. Are we supposed to become like them or are they supposed to become like us? It's not telling us how to dress, how to cut our hair, uh, what type of glasses to buy, but who are we going to pattern ourselves after? Satan is the God of this world and the whole world lies in his power. So the believer, that's you, must resist the pressure to conform morally, intellectually, and emotionally, and ultimately behaviorally to Satan's schemes for life. We are not to act like the wise of this age, those who follow their own satanically inspired will and practices rather than God's. So what needs to occur is a definite yielding of ourselves unto God and a constant acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, let's give him a hand of praise. He is Lord. So there is no likelihood of the dead following the fashion of this world. And we were told to die to the things of this world once we became children of God. 
in Romans 6, 11, the Bible says so. You also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Dead people have no response. Dead people have no reaction. They're dead. They cease to exist. They have no life. So when he tells us to be dead to the world, we shouldn't be attracted to those things that are going to destroy our families or destroy us. That's what it means in Romans 6, 11. In Galatians 1, 4, the Bible said, one, yeah, 1, 4, he gave himself for us that he might deliver us from this present evil age. So why is God so interested in taking care of us and getting us out of this world? It's ironic that when you first got saved, he didn't take you to heaven immediately. He left you here. And I've told you it's because there's still a lot of people that he wants to reach through you. People that Pastor Mike couldn't reach, but you can. So how should we be thinking? God has shown you how to think. It's in his word. If you do not see a need to become more Christ-like, then you're going to become more like the world, and yet you'll still think you're a Christian. Jesus has set a standard for you and I. If you don't know the standard, or if you don't want the standard, then you and I will try to find approval for things or actions that make you ashamed or that make you feel guilt, and that's not of God. God, through the Holy Spirit, sets the standard, and God, through the Holy Spirit, brings about the transformation. Can I read that to you again? God, through the Holy Spirit, sets the standard, and God, through the Holy Spirit, brings about the transformation. So what is the area or where are the areas in your life and mine that you want to be transformed? You want to become better. You want to learn to become like God wants you to become. The Holy Spirit will set the standard for you. And he doesn't force you to become something. He doesn't make you to become something. He encourages you. And when you do, you have more joy in your life. You have more peace. And who doesn't want more peace and more joy? All of us want that. And then he sets a standard and he brings about the transformation. You and I cannot transform ourselves. What we have to transform is this mind. Now you think about what you were like prior to coming to Christ and the way you thought. Perhaps there was gangbanging or anger or addictions of some sort or grudges or bitterness. Well, there comes a time as you become a Christian where you need to release those things. How many know what I'm talking about? Again, tell the person next to you, I think he's talking about you again. <laughs> There's certain things we have to let go. You're not still like that, are you? You go somewhere and people go, man, I haven't seen you for years. Oh, can I ask you a question? You're not that way, are you still? <laughs> no, I've changed. So to transform means to change into another form. You've seen a caterpillar. And you've seen it transform into a beautiful butterfly. The Greek word for that is metamorphe. And we get our English word metamorphosis from that Greek word. The obligation being, here we go, to undergo a complete change which, under the power of God, will find expression in your character and in your conduct. The two go together. 
If you want your conduct to change, your character has to improve. You cannot have a specific conduct if you're still what you were before. I mean, you got to get to a point where you say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of always being depressed or being fed up. I want a better life. Well, how does it start? It starts in your mind. Well, where do I get the material or the information that I need to improve my way of thinking? From the Word of God. All you have to do is read it. Give God a hand of praise. It, I, I agree with the positive mental attitude, but this is not a PMA seminar. So just say 10 times, I can do it, I can do it. That's not what this is about. Yes, that's necessary to improve our way of thinking instead of being defeated, but that only covers so much. Rather, bring God, bring the Lord into the way you think so that you can become a different person. I'll tell you what, when you start working out, within one week, you notice the difference. No one else does. No one else knows. Man, I've been working out. Really, bro? <laughs> That's what they really? When you continue that, after two and a half to three weeks, people go, are you working out? And you go, a little bit. That's what you always do. Yeah, just a little. Not, not the way I should. After six weeks, they go, boy, what's happened to you? The same thing is true in your mind. You know what? You used to always complain. What's happened? Well, I'm learning a new way of thinking. I've invited God into my life, and I'm learning that I can think better. I can be better. Come on, church. So, of all the things that I preached to you about in these previous eight weeks, this is how it all happens. So this change, watch this, it's a process. It does not happen overnight, and one is not going to happen without the other. To change the mind, you need to read the Word of God, and that gives the Holy Spirit something to work with. Because something can happen to you, you can just go back to your old ways and get all ticked off and yell at that person, and then you say, man, I told them, and as you're walking away, the Holy Spirit gives you that verse that you just read and says, you know, you could have handled that a little bit better. Everybody say, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. There are things we could have handled better. <laughs> Why do I keep doing that? It's because it's become, it's become ingrained in the habits because that's the picture that comes up every time that emotion comes up. Change the channel. Change the program. Change the information. Get the right information in there so you don't have to struggle to become better. The Lord makes you better through his word and by the Holy Spirit. Give God a hand of praise. We are to appear as new persons, with new habits, as God has given you a new form of worship so that you serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The word implies a radical, thorough, universal change, watch this, both outward and inward. If you change inwardly, it will display itself or manifest itself outwardly. So where you were once with your lips, all frustrated and angry all the time and shaking your head over everything. Now there's a smile. 
Now there's a sparkle in your eye. Now there's a spring in your step. Now there's a positive attitude. Now you get around people and you say, you know what, I'll help you. We can do that. And they go, whoa, what happened to you, bro? I'm thinking different. I'll tell you something. I'm going to thank God for this, not because I'm a super person, but I've never been incarcerated. Never. No, no, you don't need to. No. I think you're clapping because you're going, man, he's lucky. No. <laughs> I've never been arrested. But here's what I think. This is your fourth DUI. Your fourth. And there you are looking out of the cells and you're going, man, I got to change. You know, your fourth DUI, they've impounded your car, you've had to pay all that, you've got to show up in court, finally you realize, I need to change. Well, how do you change? Oh, there's no hope for me, I'm just stuck. No, you're not. All of us were stuck at one time. Say, he's talking about you again. <laughs> all of us were stuck at one time, but we don't have to be, we don't have to be stuck. God gets more excited about you having a transformation than you do about having a transformation. And then when your family goes, wow, that used to tick you off. Now you're different. And you start walking different. Mm-hmm. You start acting different. Would you please pass me that word before? Give me that. Now it's would you please pass me that. I'm grateful to you for that. People notice that your demeanors change. You're full of gratitude. You're full of respect. People feel comfortable around you. That's what God wants. So again, we are to appear as new persons. The reason you came to Christ is because the direction you were heading was leading you away from God. You and I both know you needed to change. You and I both know you needed to change. And you know what maturity is? When no one has to tell you you need to change, but you recognize it yourself. That's when they know you're mature because you run into one of the correctional officers from Elmwood or the jail and they go, man, we haven't seen you for years. What happened? <laughs> well, I stopped doing that. I'm a different person. Now I bring my whole paycheck home and we got groceries. The refrigerator, see, you know what I'm talking about. The refrigerator's full. I even got a haircut. <laughs> You become different, not because you're better than someone else, but you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're tired of living that way. You're tired of complaining. You're tired of being frustrated. Now you have joy. And when you're like that, guess what? People want to be around you. Check your, your iPad or your phone. If you're not invited to things, ask yourself why. Because they know once you get there, oh, here we go. You know what's going to happen. Listen to this. The problem lies in the fact that you want to call yourself a child of God and yet be able to continue doing what you did when you realized you needed to change. If you're still addicted and angry, if you're still full of lust and jealousy, if you're still bickering and unforgiving, then this is evidence to you that a transformation has not taken place. And that, I told you, is an indication, not a condemnation. We don't believe in condemnation. It's just God 
in his kindness, giving you an indication, you need to change that pattern in your life. So do we condemn ourselves? No. We get back under God's authority and surrender our life to him. You can come to God and you can tell him, I want to give you this messed up life and exchange it. You exchange it for a better life, a life of prosperity, of health and joy. God says, hey, that's a good deal. And he will exchange it with you. I think I better repeat that because nobody got it. <laughs> so let me repeat it. <laughs> nope, too late. No, no. <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. When you <laughs> recognize that you need to change, you can actually come to God and say, I want to give you this life of frustration and addictions and anger if you will exchange it and give me a life of peace, of prosperity, and joy. And he loves that kind of exchange. Okay. <clears throat> so you think, no, 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 I have to improve before I can talk to God. We can't improve. If we could have, we would have done it a long time ago. But you can come to God and say, hey, um, will you take this? He'll say, yeah, I'll take that mess. What do you give me? He says, I'll give you the life that you were supposed to have all along. No more. Come on, church. Somebody get excited in this place. No more, no more frustration and anger and no much self-pity, no much depression, no much cutting yourself, no more of this uh, trying to commit suicide. That's not the life God has for you. No more telling people all the time, would you pray for me because this and this and this. No, start telling, guess what God did? I gave him a messed up life, and he gave me a life that I wished I had all along. Come on. <clears throat> thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We've prayed that in the Lord's Prayer. Romans 6, 4 says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. We were buried with him into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you see that word new, the way I italicize it? We too may live a new life. Follow me here. The Greek word for this, new, is defined as, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> not merely recent, like a new shirt, but different from that which it had been formerly. God will make an exchange with you, and when he says, I'll give you a new life, it doesn't mean just a new life, and you're still the same person. I'm going to give you a different life. I'm going to give you a different set of experiences. I'm going to give you a different outlook than what you're used to. I'm going to show you how good life can be. In other words, your water isn't going to be poison anymore. The water you drink is going to be fresh water, living water that flows from my spirit in heaven. I'm going to make things right for you. Come on, if you're excited about that, I'm going to make things new. I'm going to make things new, and we don't want the same old life. Why should we have the same old life? So if you think, well, things will get better like pie in the sky in the by and by. Why can't we have a better life now? You, you, you. Why can't we have a better life now? We can, and God wants you to have it. So let the inward change produce the outward transformation where the spirit, the temper, 
The disposition of the mind are not renewed. An outward change is of but little worth, but of short standing. What offensive measure keeps the believer from being conformed to this present evil age? The answer is the consistent and deliberate renewing of your mind. How many of you want to renew your mind? Okay. In other words, believers are coming out of Satan's domain where lies and depravity are the language and the currency and depraved minds are the norm. Therefore, our minds must be renewed in knowledge according to the image of God, not the age in which Satan rules. Just because everyone else, else acts that way, we don't have to act that way. We can be different. And they'll ask you, how is it that you can do that? God's renewing my way of thinking. God has shown me a better way of thinking. You've got to want to be like Christ. If you don't, then you won't. And here is where your frustration level will be at its highest. You, and you better clap on this because I wrote on my notes that you would. And if you patty cake, I'm going to throw this thing at you. So you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here goes. You've got to want to be like Christ. If you don't, then you won't. And here is where your frustration level will be at its highest. You were not born again to be defeated. You were washed in the blood of Jesus to be an overcomer. There you go. To be an overcomer. <laughs> I remember you, but that's not me anymore. Man, there's nothing that feels better than running into an ex-girlfriend. And she rolls her eyes and goes, oh, God, here he comes. Get ready. And everybody goes, you let that go? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Or an ex-boyfriend. Why did I let her go? You can change. But don't expect someone else to change you. You know where you need to change? You change yourself. You don't have to be defeated. You don't have to be defeated. You don't have to have someone punishing you. You can have the life God wanted you to have. In 1 John 2, 14, the Bible says, I write to you, fathers, why? Because you've known him who's from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Go ahead. Jeremy, please play something for me. <clears throat> Some years ago, a young man who wanted to change his life went into a church and he sat down in the sanctuary for a while. He took out a piece of paper and a pencil and he began writing a long list of things that he promised he would do to change his life. A whole page of things. And he signed his name at the bottom and he took it up and he placed it on the altar and he sat down again in the sanctuary. As he was sitting there, however, he began to sense the voice of God speaking softly in his soul. And the more he listened to it, the more he heard God saying to him, you've done it all wrong. I want you to go back up there and get the piece of paper and tear it up and then I'm going to give you another instruction. 
So the young man got out of his pew and he walked up to the altar and he did as the Lord told him. And then he went back to sit down in the pew and he waited for the Lord to instruct him. It did not happen immediately, but finally the message came through. And the Lord said to him very gently, now take a piece of paper and sign your name at the bottom and let me fill in the rest. All along, we were telling God where we needed to change. And God is saying, just sign your name and I'll tell you where you need to change. <laughs> and you know he loves you already and you know he respects you and you know he cares for you and you know his words are gonna be gentle and reassuring. When you come to him, Instead of saying, this is what I want, say, Lord, what do you want me to have? How do you want me to be? Well, Pastor Jeremy plays this. If the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and it's becoming clear to your mind where God wants you to change, then I would like you to get out of your seat and come up here at the altar and kneel down and talk to God and actually give him your life again. Even though you're a Christian, because we haven't arrived yet, actually give him your life and tell him, have your free will with me and change me where I need to change. Come on. When God speaks, he speaks gently. When God speaks, he speaks quietly. God does not condemn. God only encourages. So whatever it is that you have brought to the altar here, leave it here but allow the Spirit of God to speak to you right now. Allow God to gently tell you, I love you. Allow God to gently tell you, I created you. Allow God to gently tell you, you're my child. Allow God to gently tell you, 
that in everything that you're concerned about and in everything that you're doing, it is acceptable to me. The things that you've brought to the altar, they might be ugly, but God accepts them. Allow God to cleanse your heart. Allow God to cleanse your spirit. Allow God to cleanse your mind so that you can walk out of here with your head up high. The Word of God says in Psalm 3 that He is the lifter of your head. He will lift you up and He will carry you. No matter how dark or how deep the depths are that you're in, our God is higher, our God is stronger, and He will lift you up and He will carry you and He will set your feet upon a rock. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I need you. The darkness and the depth of the things that I'm going through, I ask you, God, to lift me up out of them. I ask you, God, to hold me. I thank you, God, that you have forgiven me because I need your forgiveness in all things. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love, your comfort, your gentleness, your peace, and your forgiveness. I ask you, Jesus, to be in my heart, to be in my spirit, and in my life. I am a child of God. He is my Father. I am loved by Him, and nothing can separate me from His love. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you have received that, praise His holy name. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and with all peace so that you may trust in him and believe in him, that he would bring you comfort in, the, in his holy name. God bless you and we'll see you next week. Amen? Amen.